20,000 feet up, breaking all the lights on the doors. And I ain't seen no ceilings. We came in through the top You're listening to Feminist Killjoys, Ph.D., an hour of feminism, pop culture, and politics as discussed by two professional killjoys. I'm Rachel. And I'm Melody. And today, Melody talks with Sika, owner of Fox Den Salon in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Why a salon? You'll hear soon enough. But first, Melody, where can our listeners find us on the internet? So mysterious of you... (laughs) <laughs> uh, you can find us in select places on the internet. Let me list some of them uh, through a podcast application of your choice. The iTunes app now allows you to uh, review us. So review us. It really helps us get our listener numbers up. And spoiler alert, we're looking to get our uh, audience numbers up. We really want to grow our audience because we're putting more time and effort into the high qualityness of this podcast. And so you could help us by leaving a beautiful review or tell your friends about us. Anyways, moving on, on the social media tip, you can follow us on Instagram and make sure when we if we have stories to watch our Instagram stories because they're hilarious because we respond to each other. You got to be there. Twitter. We also have a Twitter account, FKJ underscore PhD. We also have a couple of Facebook pages. You can like our regular Facebook page, Feminist Killjoys PhD, for just episode updates. But you could also join our really awesome closed community group, which is Feminist Killjoys Community WTF Power exclamation point. On Spotify, we have our Feminist Killjoys PhD mixtape that Rachel puts together. And of course, if you have extra dollars and want to support us feminist media makers, you can do one of two things. Go to our website, which is now fkjphd.com, and you can click on the birdie to leave a one-time donation. Although also now PayPal allows you to do monthly donations. If you just want to go through PayPal, we encourage you to do that. And we will also get an alert that you've become a monthly subscriber that way. Or you can go over to Patreon. We also have a link to Patreon there. And you can become a patron. $1 a month or more gets you access to our Killjoy Review newsletter that comes to your email box once a week. And if you donate $5 a month or more, you get access to bonus episodes and other content. And man, we got to record some new bonus ups. I like really... We do. I need to stop saying that I'm going to, this is like something with my ADHD or I don't know what's going on. I'm like, I'm going to make this M&M episode and then I don't. Like I need to, I have to make it and then say I did it because then I just set myself up to fail because then it becomes like a weight on my shoulder. Right. I. Oh, I'm sorry. This wasn't my therapy appointment. Okay. I just. <laughs> but it's true. We both, we both need to be more accountable to bonus apps and apologies to those folks who do support us at $5 or more. Maybe, Mel, they can all get stickers in in apology. Uh, not even an apology. I mean, like, the stickers are yours. The only thing is you have to send me your mailing address, mm-hmm. and I'll send mm-hmm. them to you. Because with Patreon, they only collect your email address. Right. And same with PayPal, unless you say that you want to give me your mailing address. But yeah, all patrons can send me your mailing address and I'll send out stickers. They're awesome. I don't right. even think like the internet has seen these stickers yet. So No, it it's true. We've been keeping exclusive. them under wraps, but they're really awesome. 
And on that note, we'll make a note on Patreon so those folks who do subscribe will get that notice and you can uh, message us through Patreon or email us your addresses. Uh, And also, while you're at it, let us know what you would like bonus episodes on because we really do want to make them for you and we do do want this to be a thing that feels exciting and relevant, which is, you know, since you all are so generous with with your donations. So respond to us. This is a this is an action item uh, spiel. You have a task. Unless you're like one of those people that just like fast forward. Right. For a minute. And they're like, oh, wait, they're still talking about it. Why are they still talking about it? They're supposed to be at check-ins by now. But thank you for the spiel, Mel. I think it's good. And oh, you're not done done yet. What else we got? And if you would like to email me in 2005, you can do that at fkj.phd at gmail.com. And this is a non-internet exclusive. If you want to call us like it's 1993, call us USA number 414-858-7818. Leave us a message. We always like to hear your voicemails. 414-858-7818. That was a good rap. Good song. That's how I remember numbers. How are you doing, Rachel? I'm well. I'm well right now. Real, real talk for our listeners who I know appreciate vulnerability. I had some, I had like a few like rough mental health days. I think it was, I think it was sort of triggered by I had to be in my car on a part of in a, like in downtown Boston, which I avoid at literally all costs. I was, I've been really good about setting like hard boundaries against not doing that, um, and it makes me feel like a shitty, terrible person because setting boundaries and saying no is really hard, and it means I don't like pick people up from the airport, and I feel really bad about that. But I don't do it because I get terrible anxiety. And Friday, never have a, yeah. Rachel shouldn't pick you up at the no. airport. Like you get so nervous. No, I'm saying yeah. like it's a good boundary because you do get really anxious. It's not like you're being an asshole. Right. Like driving is really effing stressful especially in a big yeah. city so you really shouldn't feel yeah. bad about that because- thank you i but you know but i want to be like a good friend because otherwise people have to uber and then i feel like a jackass well there's also mass transit i know and you also are a good friend in other ways well thanks so- but well okay well <laughs> now it's my therapy session but anyway so i ended up i ended up on like i didn't realize the directions were taking me where they were taking me and i ended up on Starro drive which if anybody is from boston you know how fucking terrible that is so it was just like that was terrible and then I was supposed to have a date with my partner that night and I was just like so jittery and upset and I was like can we just stay in like I literally don't want to like leave the house and then I didn't want to go to a party I was supposed to go to the next day or an activist meeting that I was supposed to go to I just felt like so it was just like yeah not great but it meant that not going to a party meant that I got to babysit for another group of friends who was also going to the same party, but they weren't going to be able to go because they didn't have a babysitter. And I was like, I don't want to leave the house more than like half a mile and they live like half a mile away. So I will babysit your baby. You can go to the party and I will be antisocial <laughs> and get my mental health together. And that was good. Like I needed those two days. It kind of sucked, but I like needed two days to be like, I need time to regroup, which is, I don't usually need that long, but I did. So so that was me, but I'm feeling better today, partly because I saw a really good movie, which I'll talk about at RWLs. But yeah, so just kind of kind of a rocky, rocky week. But what about you? You started school. I started school. It's great. For those of you who don't like vulnerability, I'll talk very factually <laughs> about the fact that I started school and am trying to do a work-life balance thing. And it's the first semester that I haven't taught online, so I think that's really going to 
impact my time management for the better because online teaching, you can always kind of check in whenever and it's very hard to make boundaries. Yeah. I started school. I'm excited to be back in school. It's great. The Vikings, I wonder if they're winning right now. I mean, you'll know at the end of the, by the time this episode comes out, but. oh, yeah, No man right on now. the Minnesota Vikings. There's no men on the Minnesota Vikings, as Lizzo says, so we don't really care about the Vikings. It's a big deal in my world because I live in Minneapolis. This is our team. It's The Super Bowl is hosted here this year, so mm-hmm. people are like, oh, my God, and it's the playoffs right now. So, mm-hmm. oh, my God, what if they win and they'll be the Super Bowl? So we'll see. It's looking we'll like they might win this game. So who we'll cares? See. The NFL sucks, and they basically kill their players and then don't do anything to help them once they are dead or severely injured it's true and guess so guess who gets really richer care. and who, not who injured me? i know i yeah, know i know me- i know i know melody uh the owners how who are the owners like what's their demographic um like older white guys yeah right and they don't well. put their brains at risk do they no, no, they don't. No. Oh, and it's weird because the NFL keeps getting blacker too. Right. So, yeah. Oh, anyway. Deal there. Yeah, well. So, I'm so excited for this episode. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you about Sika a little bit. Please do, because I've heard about Sika for a long mm-hmm. time. I've seen the magic that is her hair talent <laughs> on your head forever. So, tell us, tell us. Tell us about what we're about to hear. Yeah, conflict of interest. She's my hair salon person. But the reason I thought she'd be great to have on FKJ is because as I've been going to her hair salon for many, many, many years, since almost since I moved here and got enough money saved to like get my hair done, her salon has always reached out to women specific events and like, you know, sponsored them or made like treat bags for them, such as like a women's bike event. But then as the salon has grown, they've gotten a lot more queer allied, I guess you could say. I didn't like go through the, you know, who's all queer identified in the salon, but it's, it's, you know, it depends on the day. There's Mm -hmm. many. But so one thing that I really like that Sika's going to talk to you about is how they organize their haircuts so they don't have men's or women's haircuts. They use different terminology Mm. because what is a men's and what is a women's haircut, you know? Mm -hmm. And so they've thought through things like that. They've thought through things such as what happens when an autistic person comes in and wants to get a haircut. That's amazing. What happens when people have sensory overload issues Mm -hmm. and they're in a very loud salon. Sika doesn't bring this up, but I do remember one of their clients uh, wore hijab. And I remember I came in one day and they had like locked the salon doors so like women could get their hair done there Mm. um, without having to – because you can't have men be in the space. Right. And so, you know, they've been making these kind of accommodations for years, but it's – That's amazing. Becoming more and more and more of their brand – and not yeah. in a scummy way, just kind of like it's just who they're known for. And Sika talks a lot about how they set themselves apart from other salons in like a really good way because a lot of salons people walk into and they already feel judged or they're already comparing themselves to the hairdressers that are there. The vibe is just like totally different at Fox Den. And so I just thought I I just wanted people to hear about how Sika built up her business and what her values are because it's a unique setup that I wish, you know, more businesses would have because it doesn't it doesn't take that much work to do these things. It just takes intentionality and follow through and it's amazing, you know, the clientele that you can grow. And this is me saying this is like a non-business person. I know nothing about any of these things, but I'm just continually impressed about how she makes the space very welcoming to a host of, of different people. I love it. This is also like, I, you know, we've, we have had a couple theme months 
well, mostly witch month, but we talk about theme months. Two other people came to mind, cosmetology, makeup, hair, and nails. I actually know a lot of really cool business owners and or people who work in salons and, and things like that that I think would be great to talk to. So I'm really excited to hear this because I think those issues come up more than more than we think. Excellent. And before I wins world is out of here, I did want to say this was my first foray into doing field reporting. Yay. So I really wanted to try to flex my NPR muscles. And so because Sika is a very busy person, I interviewed her at the salon, like when the salon was open. And so I definitely did some audio editing to minimize some of the background noise, but it's not going to be the like perfect... Our audio is never perfect. Who am I kidding? Going to be like, I'm Ari Shapiro and I'm on assignment in Minneapolis at Fox Den and there's a hair dryer in the background. That kind of. I love. I'm excited to hear that, though. I love ambient noise. So bring it on. Okay. Wayne's World us there. All right. I popped into the Fox Den salon to get my hair done on a busy Saturday afternoon. As Siko was applying bleach and foil and other magical tools to my hair, I talked to her about the salon, why she started it, what the salon does that is different from others, and how she sees the salon growing in the future. We started by talking about utilizes the money that she makes in the salon and is not how most people use it. Make enough money to give away money. So we are always trying to find different places in our community that we can spend our dollars. So when you get your hair done, it's not just like, yeah, I like invested in myself and feeling good. It's also like, hey, this money is going back into my community. Like we live and work in our community. We're actually, we're about the things we talk about. We volunteer, we participate, we protest, we do things to make our places better. But we also spend money sponsoring different groups and spend our time volunteering at the salon doing things. So I just wanted to like kind of give our community something that was accessible. And like accessibility has kind of been the key word moving forward as we've gotten bigger and like been in the business longer. We started in 2007, it's now 2018, so we just passed our 10 year anniversary last summer. I've worked in the neighborhood for over a dozen years, so for me it was, it's been interesting to see how things have changed. Things have kind of gentrified a lot, um, the demographics have changed, but we're still here because we're able to do something that isn't about who's here right now, we're about like the feeling, we're about community, and we're about, you know, everyone wants to feel good, everyone wants to like be who they are and not have to worry about making an impression when they go to a new space and like trying to figure out the ins and outs of a new salon can be terrifying. So offering up a place that kind of feels like home right when you get there is something I want to do for people. It seems to work for us. And it is true that people feel welcome walking into the Fox Den Salon. There are people of all shapes, sizes, colors, you know, that 1990s kind of vibe of we all belong. You do feel welcome there. Nobody is done up. Nobody has perfect hair when they're doing your hair because there's nothing worse than like looking up and seeing somebody with perfect hair. And so I really like that intentionality that they put into how they look walking into the salon because it makes you feel a lot more comfortable too. I did want to talk to Sika about very bluntly what demographics she does cater to. And she ended up talking about how she brands and markets, which is really neat because she's not one of those icky corporate branders. And so she has a really unique style to it. 
in business, the people that you serve are called your market segments. So like our market segment and our targeted markets end up being a lot of, we kind of, we joke that it's like social workers, teachers, college students, and then just educated professionals are a lot of it, but it's everyone from like teenagers and parents and just people in the community to people that are seeking us out from across different professions, but they generally tend to be like higher educated people, um, people that are involved, people that understand that like shopping with your dollar is kind of a political thing at this point in the world. Um, being engaged with your community is an important part of excelling in your community and having your community itself. Um, and so we end up with a lot of people that are a little bit more engaged, but we also have people that seek us out because of our accessibility. We do a, have a large focus on being accessible for um, non-binary gender expression people and people that are in transition, people that are trans, and that we want to respect everybody's expression and let them feel good for who they are and let them like be on the outside the people that they are on the inside, like no questions asked. And that's something that's really different from a lot of marketing and so on. One of our companies that we work with even, they will send us marketing materials that say things like, spoil him. And we're just like, no, not spoil. Everyone deserves hair shampoo that smells nice. Like, that's not a he-she issue. That's like a human thing. Dealing with the problematic language and the problematic culture around beauty and men's grooming and grooming in general. The company that sends us those things that say spoil him come to our salon. And he said that the things that were interesting about salons and he goes touring is he didn't realize how problematic that language was until he comes to a salon like this where we have non-gendered haircuts and we charge everything by length instead of by gender which is kind of a duh thing uh, Melody or D Dakota has super long hair sometimes and if I were to be like oh it's a men's haircut and he shows up with hair down past his shoulders that doesn't take me the same amount of time as a Bob the banker that stops in for his like every three week fade so being able to charge things by length and not by gender sets us apart and it also makes people feel more comfortable because I never want to have to have a conversation with somebody. Oh, like you're down for a, a women's cut, but you actually get a men's cut? Or, you know, you're down for a men's cut, but you're so obviously named Tammy or something? Like, that's not, that's so not my business. That's not what I'm in this business for. Some people don't feel comfortable, comfortable. being identified as a woman. Yeah, man. So it's like, what are you supposed, what to, you choose? supposed to do? Yeah. yeah. For us, it was a really natural move. It makes it makes more sense to us, but it also is allows us a space to start a dialogue with people that aren't necessarily familiar with things like that. Or people will just be like, oh, that's weird. And we will correct them if they say, oh, I just need like a woman's haircut. And we're like, well, what length is your hair? Yeah. Like, that's a midi cut or like a short cut or a men's cut. Oh, well, we call that a short cut. Why? Because it's short. <laughs> not all men have short hair, not all ladies yeah. have long hair. Not the Elizabethan era. In our dystopian future, we yeah. will all have hair that we put under our bonnets for modesty again. So accessibility was really huge for us moving forward. And but also accessibility for stylists, because something that people forget about is not a lot of stylists want to be kind of pandering to that gender normative thing yeah. too. Yeah. So we tend to accumulate stylists that are similar to our parenting. Educated people that are engaged in their community, that kind of know know what they want out of the world and are willing to make changes to make a positive impact on that world. And that's something that I didn't find in other salons that I was in, which is kind of the missing element. In our neighborhood, as it's gentrified, as it's changed, a lot of salons have closed, even the really popular ones. There was literally a salon on every single corner going down Lindale, uh, the street that we're on. 
and and there were two salons on our block aside from us when we started and we are down to the only salon there's a braiding studio two blocks away and then um, if you keep going all the way down to Lindale and like about six blocks there's one high-end studio evolution and then there's another one on Linden Lake Locks and both of them are exclusive appointment only $200 haircut spots so our neighborhood needs that accessible option and we're able to provide that for them but why things didn't work it was a lot of stuck in the old and not willing to move forward with what our community needed even as we knew people come in they're not necessarily familiar with it part of what they gravitate towards is that idea of something that's customized to them and not putting them in a box and that's something that I think that as from a marketing aspect, people are kind of gravitating more towards the uniqueness, but they forget that there's a whole spectrum of people out there that are unique that don't identify by those like generalized tropes that we've been following for so long. So being able to like continue to appeal to that and not pigeonhole ourselves as just the queer salon, just the accessible salon, just the non-binary place for people that are trans go, but also still a community salon that benefits our community and is a space where you can talk and have dialogue learn about what's going on in your neighborhood we especially like election time it's just this awesome cauldron of opinions and we all are very respectful of everything but it's also really cool because you get you need opposing viewpoints to identify what it is you like about your viewpoints sometimes so and people will look at us and usually read us pretty quick because the types of people that we are and they're not wrong but that doesn't mean that we're gonna shove shit down your throat that's also not what we're about like we're we're here to listen to encourage expression and that doesn't happen by shutting people down so although the hairstylists do stay away from politics if clients don't want to go there they do have some particular politics about what they wear on saturdays i have these great cheetah pants on today because it's saturday no socks two-year-old dog martins and my hanky stitched together shirts i wear my fanciest hair shirt for saturday yeah yeah, what sets us apart is we both put on lipstick this morning and because we were going to work. That was our, no, I'm just kidding. Like, it's a work day, but I put on some lip gloss. A lot of times we get kind of misread because this is viewed as a trade. It is a trade, but it's also a profession and it's also something we study a lot. So in our state to be licensed as a hairstylist, which Wisconsin just changed their thing that you don't even need to have a license to teach at a school anymore. But in Minnesota, we have one of the highest license requirements for a salon stylist to get your license to perform services on people. You need to be working in a school, you need to be doing clients, and you need to attend 1,500 hours of schooling. And then you need to perform all these quotas and do all this stuff. And then you have to take these licensing exams. And then you have to take relicensure exams. And you have to do continuing education hours of training every couple years. And it's a gauntlet to stay educated and stay up on it. But to be really relevant in your industry, you need to continue education independently. You need to study after hours. You need to go to trade shows. You need to travel. You need to invest your own money in your own tools. You need to a lot of times provide money for your own advertising and marketing, and you need to be your own cottage industry to succeed in it. And so being a hairstylist means you're your own small business. Even if you're employed here, we are employees. We all work on commission, but a lot of places do rental, and there's two separate setups for that, and there's benefits on both sides. We've done rental, and we've had renters in here, but we feel that we have a more community vibe. We have more investment. We have more teamwork. When all of us are pitching in to collaborate on one shared goal, there's more success. Many hands make great work, and our work is something that none of us independently would be able to invest enough in to make 
make a substantial change. Whereas together, it's such a drop in the bucket to throw $200 or $300 towards causes that we really want to support or through sponsorship of like the roller derby or through sponsorship of burlesque, which is a body positive, very inclusive art form. And so there are all these things that we can really make huge contributions towards that we wouldn't be able to do independently. Being a stylist, we have all these things that we need to do and a lot of us are spending thousands and thousands of dollars every year to continue to teach and people see us as a neighborhood salon forgetting that we're a neighborhood salon but I'm a national educator that travels with an international color company. Audra has been doing fashion week for the last few years. We submitted a fashion week show this year to try and do a queer inclusive fashion show to feature fashion in the Twin Cities of some of the designers that aren't necessarily always represented as they're moving more towards POC inclusion, they're kind of forgetting also that there's a ton of other types of people that have really solid identities that contribute to their craft that aren't necessarily represented. They see us as a neighborhood salon a lot of times and completely neglect to take in how many scholarships and awards we're winning because that's not what we talk about because we're here to talk about our clients. We're here to talk about your successes and make you feel better and carry you through to the next time you want to change that expression and update who you are on the outside. So people miss out on all the cool shit we do. Well, that's because we don't, we know most about it. Yeah, there's not all a lot of books. People don't know that I will come here like several days out of the week to help people with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. One of the things that kind of put us on the map when we started doing it was doing our quiet chair. It was not my idea. It's something that I had read about. And when I read about it, it was one of those, how has nobody done this? The idea is that you have a designated space, a room, a chair, a procedure, something that the client can come in that has some sort of sensory issue or an anxiety, or maybe they just want to work. Maybe they're on the spectrum. Maybe they just don't want to talk that day. And they can come in and they can somehow note on their service that they would like to sit in this quiet chair, this designated space, and not have any communication or conversation during their service. And during that time, we dim the lights. A little marker goes on our schedule saying that there's going to be a quiet chair person in during that time. Everybody else gets quieter. Exactly. And it actually becomes a very relaxing environment for everyone. I've done the quiet chair before. How, mm-hmm. What were your experiences during that? Aside from the time when I ruined it and was like, hey, Melody's here. What's up? You guys are so quiet over there. And then I saw the little side. I was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to live this down. What was your experience with aside from that? It was good because I didn't know the hairstylist and I wasn't in the mood to like do chit-chatting because yeah. I'm such an introvert that like mm-hmm. I'll chit-chat with you because we know each other and it's actually not chit-chat. So let's just talk let's about the mo- yeah, let's, let's get to the bottom of yeah. uh, racial justice today, shall we? <laughs> let's solve all the world's problems. I like talking like that. I don't like, so where do you work? Mm-hmm. And, and so I was like, I'll just do a quiet chair. Mm-hmm. And then so I didn't have to deal with all the chit-chat. And then I got to just like kind of like oh, super yeah. zone out. Yeah. Super it's relaxing. amazing. There are times when I'm getting my hair done. I know, like, for me, this is such a treat. Like, one of the things that a lot of us hairstylists talk about is the fact that we wouldn't be able to afford our own services at this point because we've gotten really good at what we do. Also, we don't remember that when we started doing this, we were, like, 20 and we were broke. And, of course, you wouldn't be able to, but we would probably make more now. <laughs> but it was it's such a treat. And for a lot of our clients, it still is. That is their thing. That is the one thing that they do to treat themselves to feel good and to invade that space and take the control from them away by being like, let me tell you about how I'm having a bad day Mm -hmm. or my breakup or whatever, or politics if this is not a place that you want to that. We want to give them the opportunity to take control of it. We have so many clients that are just like, it's not that I don't want to talk. I'm a very 
friendly person. I just don't want to talk today. I want to relax. Or I saw that I don't want to talk. I just don't want to talk about bullshit. I had yeah. one person that was just like, I just didn't want to talk because I was worried that you were going to try and talk about politics and we weren't going to agree. And then I, even if I liked my hairdo, I wouldn't want to come back. And I was like, that is so frank and so cool. I'm really glad that you took it up. And now she's, she comes in every six weeks and she's probably one of my favorite people I've ever met. She's amazing. But had we not had that option for her during that political climate churning yeah. time and in our neighborhood where gentrification was taking over and she had no idea what she was walking into, it provided her some security to know that she could control her situation as she should be able to. Yep. So, what we do is we don't even make people ask. Um, you can book it online when you're booking online, which is another service that we offer for people that maybe don't want to communicate oh. in direct ways. They're able to set up their appointments via, via email or on the website you can set it up. And then we can also, when they come in, if they haven't marked it yet, you can change your mind at any time. We have little Velcro, quiet chair, QC squares up in our waiting area and then there's a huge sign that says don't want to talk about it you don't have to grab one of these squares put it on your mirror no questions asked you will be having a quiet chair service in our other salon we just this year opened our second salon in october so it's like three months old it's a little baby but there's a whole room that has no art on the walls there's just one speaker so we can disconnect the speaker if we need and that entire room can be dedicated to quiet chair experiences for people and also we can use it just as a low sensory room for people that need that experience regardless. So we'll allow people to come in before and after hours just because we think accommodation is really important. And we love what we do, so to be able to reach those people that maybe have agoraphobia or something more extreme than just a sense no sensory issues, a simple one, but people that are having more extreme reactions to being around stimuli, we're able to offer them like come in after hours or before hours. And we have a dedicated room, which is like nothing. So to be able to provide that is huge. And to make it so that people don't have to feel stressed is even bigger. I don't want to have to explain to you why I don't want to talk to you. I want to be able to like enjoy my service and sit and feel treated and feel special. The quiet chair is probably the most unique aspect of the Fox Den Salon. But the hairstylists are also involved in other things regarding mental health issues, supporting women's organizations, and a ton of other things. But before we got to that, we had to give you an update on my hair. All right, Melody, tell everyone what we've done so far on your hair. My hair right now looks like the top half looks blonde. It actually looks like somebody would actually have this Somebody hair. would probably do this. It's, the top half is blonde, and then it fades into the orange that I usually have. And then there's brown in the back. And now somehow, secrets can put <laughs> orange hair color on my blonde and somehow make it the same color orange that is already on my hair which that's why I don't do this that's why you don't do this yeah yeah it's just for perfection okay so we do get a little nerdy about my hair especially with the chemistry involved and basically i'm grilling her on how my hair can be three colors and yet somehow it's magically going to turn out to be one color at the end bear with us like how it's bright here and it's not because behind yeah. here there's like there's old anchoring and orange and all that yeah. stuff yeah that's a super good question the reason that this hair color is going to be the same shade as this is yeah. because although it is like a light yellow color and this yeah. has all kinds of colors underneath it yeah it's lifted to the same level on a scale of one to ten of ten being oh, white and okay. because we're doing it on for like on the same oh. 
color tone. I got you. Okay. As long as we lift it to the right level. Because you lift, because you lifted it to. I lifted a it level. to a higher level, to like the same level. If I would have lifted this to white, it would be a whole different got ball game. It, but because it, I lifted it, it to like the so same sorry. kind of yellowy color, then it's going to have a lot of the same anchor and the same internal color molecules living inside of the peptide bonds. But also because we opened up your cuticle a whole lot, so right now it's even brighter than it really will be once we close the cuticle down. Mm-hmm. So when we use the pH balancer later, that's going to close down the cuticle and trap these in and actually make it have more depth and more color. But if we close down the cuticle before we apply this orange, then it wouldn't be able to get inside over here. And then it wouldn't last very long. It would stupid. I look like a big old dum-dum. It is true. I did not look like a big old dum-dum upon leaving the salon. Nor do I look like a big old dum-dum ever, I would hope. Anyways, our chemistry lesson for the day is done. And now, Sika and I dig into all of the yummy politics stuff that she's involved with in the name of her hair salon. And in Twin Cities, we have a school that is dedicated to people on the spectrum called Fraser School. It's one of the first ones in our community. And in Minnesota, we actually have one of the highest populations of people on the autism spectrum. So this is a school that is like a leader in kind of innovative technologies and innovative practices to help to make those people feel like they're seen and heard and give strategies to deal with this like lifelong thing. They have a lot of personal connections to it. I feel like autism is something that as we get further in the years, everybody has some kind of connection to it. So we right away were like, we need to find a way to do something to give back. So we go there every couple months at minimum every year and we sit down with the kids and we will go on site to there and we'll give them haircuts we'll spend a whole day there so that we can do it in a safe environment for them where we're on their level and we have the patience and the time to do it and it's not just for the kids but it's also for their parents because a lot of times these children that are on the spectrum don't necessarily look like anything is different with them than a a totally able-bodied child. And so a lot of times the perceptions that people put on these parents are that they have bad parenting skills, they aren't capable of disciplining their child, they have an unruly kid, or their kid is just bad. And that creates a stigma around services for those kids forever sometimes. It also creates like a negative vibe for them against authority. It creates a negative vibe for the parents. It isn't a great space. So we've done things where we ask children to come in before time or after time, but to, we found the most success is when we can go on site to their school and help facilitate haircuts there. I think my favorite one was one of our stylists. He had a, a young son that was about the same age as the first client he got that day. So he goes in the room, he's all excited. It's a young Somali boy pulls out the clippers, the parents are there, and they're like trying to help and coach, and there's also a classroom leader there. So we're never at any point alone with the kids. We always have people to help us guide through and talk and use the tools that the kids are comfortable with. So he's really pumped because he's got a kid the same age, and he's like, I'm gonna help this kid, this is gonna be really special. And we're there for four hours this day. And he starts, and the young child just can't be around the noise of the buzzer. So the day goes on, the rest of us are taking clients, we're taking clients, we're taking clients. It's about time to leave, and we go, and Jeffrey's still sitting in the room with the same kid. And this kid has gone from being terrified at the sound of a buzzer to four hours later, almost his whole head has been shaved, and he's like super happy, he's really into it. Without the patience and the understanding of what these kids' limitations were, that little boy maybe never 
would have felt comfortable getting his haircut, maybe never would have had the time to develop those strategies for himself on how to deal with that stressful situation. It was such a cool gift to be able to give that kid, but also their parents in those situations. And that's one of our favorite things. The other big thing that we do every single year that's really close to my heart is, especially women, we deal with a lot of mental health issues and a lot of women deal with the criminal justice system and the and mental health and chemical substance abuse and the criminal justice system all kind of go hand in hand, I feel like. And in Minnesota, we're really lucky to have a DWI court, a drug court, and a mental health court. And there is a women's treatment center in the Twin Cities that deals with the holistic person. They have independent women-only treatment center and also a family center where the mothers can go with their children and live with their children while they're in inpatient treatment. Every year for Mother's Day, we go down to that treatment center and we do a spa day for all the women that are in recovery and we provide them with haircuts and beautification services and for a lot of these women that have been a part of the criminal justice system or been incarcerated for drug possession or for a DUI this was their first stop after jail was to go to these treatment centers and essentially be still a ward of the state but while developing like strategies for recovery so we're able to provide them with the first haircut since you know they got off of meth a year ago but here they are still wearing the same clothes that they had then and that's just such a cool thing to be a part of their story and to be a part of like their new beginning. So that's something else that we do, but on a broader scale, we also like to do things where we can, I mean, feed on the ground is always going to be our favorite way to be a part of our community. We also do things where we support our local biking community, which is how me and you met, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. We were sponsoring a, a cycling calendar to raise money for a Minneapolis bike collective. So we'll do things for our bike community. We'll sponsor races. We'll donate money. We'll donate our time. We'll make gift bags for people that finish the races or the rides so that they have some sustenance at the end of races, which... If anyone out there cycles, I'm sure you know, like, those things can get a little boozy at the end a lot of times. So for people, I don't drink, and for me, it's really nice to be like, sweet, at the end of the ride, I know I'm going to have water and Kool-Aid and some, like, gushers. Well, if you get a cool bag, you get gushers, but (laughs) to have something, like, that makes you feel good. We do things with, like I said, the burlesque community. We donate a lot of time and energy to our burlesque community because it's a really great body positive, but also reclaiming yourself time for a lot of people, many, many people that do burlesque train for it and then never perform. And so being able to help, yeah, being able to help women that are just out there through divorce or after kids being like, yeah, this is, this is my time for me for that. And we're really lucky to be a part of supporting a lot of our, particularly our queer scenes. We also sponsor different dance troops. We sponsor hip hop troops and women of color troops. We sponsor uh, different arts initiatives. We sponsor in-house art shows every eight weeks we do in a different community artists where they get to come into our space and we don't collect any money from any of their sales we just give them all of the promotional materials they need and provide them a like wine and cocktails and beer and food art opening we call it art parties and people from our community get to come in and hang out with us and like check out some new art and it's kind of a fan favorite for a lot of our neighborhood people we're right next to a coffee shop so for them it's like hang out at the coffee shop all day come over and eat all of our cheese balls from 9 to midnight and then go back to the coffee shop and play pinball. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so it's been really cool. <laughs> Good to contribute to that. Shout yeah. out to Cafetto. Shout out to Cafetto. They're the best. They're my best neighbors. So we sponsor all those things. We also donate some money here and there. Some of the things we donate to on the regs is Women Against Mass Military Madness, 
we donate to like a combat wounded warrior kind of project to help provide disabled veterans with resources. We donate to survivors of the police federation for like families of them. So not everything that we support is always one million percent like, oh, this is the most liberal cause, which is I think what people sometimes guess. But what we really do is pretty much if you ask us and you have something that helps people that we are directly and like as humans, we're pretty much always directly somehow being affected by one another. Like if it's something that affects people in our immediate thing, we'll find a way to help your cause. We'll find a way to further your positive agenda and make change in the world. Cause that's what responsible businesses should do. And that's what responsible people should do. One of our bigger things that we made a change on this year was we've been sponsoring and donating money to different breast cancer things, uh, events, organizations, anything. In the last year, we changed our color line to a color line that has the lowest ammonia of any color line in the world. And one of the driving forces behind that was how are we in an industry that is so largely fueled by females? It has the highest rate of breast cancer. One of the big things that contributes, well, you know, no one knows what contributes to breast cancer, but we all know that chemical inhalation is a serious thing and being exposed to chemicals nonstop for some of us 30, 40 years, that's going to play a large part in getting sick later on in life. So being able to have a the lowest of in hair color is something that I'm super excited about and I get to teach about it all over the world and tell people about you know, saving hairdressers, being a feminist-oriented company where we're not just pinkwashing, we're actually working to make things more helpful for the practitioners and more breathable and just a safer ecosystem within the salon. That's one of the bigger changes. It's like not just doing things or saying things or donating money or donating time, but actually like making broad changes in our space. And it's and there's always something new and there's always something that we can improve on. And even as recently as last week, a tattoo shop that we are tight with had a lot of problems because of fallout culture happening because they have an employee that has that is white that has dreadlocks and the backlash from that from our queer community which we've all lifted up for so long just smash them in a day once our reviews all over social media all over yelp all about a misunderstanding and it was kind of one of those things that like we have the capability to like unify as a community as informed individuals we can come together and we can speak with our dollars and we can speak with our reviews and we can do all this stuff and are we doing good with it or are we doing more harm than good by pointing out all the little things and working on criticizing versus working on calling people in and creating dialogue and creating space and holding space for one another until they catch up not everybody's on the same level not everyone has the same opinion to take our allies and kind of divide them against one another can be really scary and it's interesting to see where our communities are going with that stuff and making sure that we're always responding in like a helpful and informative way instead of a like listening to understand instead of listening to provide input. The worst thing would be to have a bunch of resources and not have anywhere to go except for in a bank account so that they can sit and get old. I don't want to do that. And when this gets going, we'll find better, more efficient ways to help our community. But we love doing this repair because we get to be one-on-one -on -one with people and then on the back end we get to spread that love and that involvement and share our propaganda of being like, yeah, feminist and quality and all that, all that crazy stuff. This is crazy millennials. This is the Ministry of Information just disguised as a salon. Side note, did you know that Keep Calm and Carry On posters were not propaganda about World War II? They were propaganda for when Hitler inevitably took over Great Britain. They kept two million of them in a storage closet. No, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, apparently they had printed them all for when Hitler took over so that they could just kind of nullify the masses because they were just like, well, if that happens, I guess 
better to be prepared. So someone found it in a storage closet in the year 2000 that worked at a bookstore and reprinted it and then started making them, thinking, oh, this was like a thing, but it was not. It was created in 1947. And I was just like, yeah. I've never liked that poster. No, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. But the more I heard about it, the more I was just like, what? And it was one of three options. And uh, it was created by a section of the Great Britain Parliament called probably the information ministry or something, but it is the actual propaganda machine that George Orwell based the Ministry of Information on. And also, because it was created and paid for by Great Britain, they own the copyright to it and it's their intellectual property, but so they can't do anything with it or change any of the history on it because it's all trademarked and completely like, drives right back to that view. Like, so when we don't win the war, how are we going to make sure that people don't just like all murder each other? Oh, we'll make a, a witty poster about it. We're our own Ministry of Information. One of the kind of like cool things, are there are a lot of people that city elections and primaries and sheriff elections and judge elections, that's huge for us because yeah. I'm always translating to people like, this is why this matters. And it's really awesome to be able to be on the ground and I see like 12 to 20 clients in a day in just my chair, let alone all the other five chairs here. And now I have two salons, so I can just buzz back and forth and be like, hey, did you hear about this? But like the candidate that I loved for our ward is completely different than the candidate that most people like. And there was a lot of like really cool uh, conversations that we were able to have about the allocation of property for very expensive living quarters versus affordable housing what? and what that does to our property taxes and what prop higher property taxes yeah. do to rents. And so it was really cool to be able, people would be like, oh no, I'm super excited about this big building going in because that means that there's going to be all these more people, so there'll be more shops going in. And they're just like, who is that good for? But it was really cool because I got to have those conversations with people that would never have them on. Those people that are like, fuck yeah, there's another Starbucks. Now I don't have to go to this place where I don't know what my coffee is going to taste like. I'm like, no, that place with those people that have fed their family of four for the last five years on the money that they make from those coffees. Versus Starbucks. But, um, is there a Starbucks coming out here? I have no idea what's going into the next store. That's the problem. Because there's, there has to be retail because we're in a pedestrian overlay mixed commercial use thing. So every single residential building that goes in on Lindale has to have commercial on the main floor. But the cost of commercial by foot is so high that nobody can afford it. And the build out cost for a new construction thing is easily in the hundreds of thousands. Take it from me, I went broke this summer. Um, and that was a place that was already gutted. So it's just going to be interesting. It's going to be real interesting. I remember when I used to be like, hey, get shot on this corner. And now I feel like a crazy old lady with a bathrobe and too many cats just being like, no more high rises. <laughs> There's no going to be no parking. There's going to be no parking. Where is everyone going to go? Okay, but except like, that okay. is ridiculous. That, that is so ridiculous. Work. That is like, yeah. like, no, I don't want to see a bunch of parking lots in our neighborhood. But I also don't want to see a new high rise go in with absolutely no At parking. The busiest, well, the, the busiest intersection. And most dangerous oh, and like. So scary. And the fact that there's a lot of historical homes around this neighborhood and we're on the bottom of a dried out lake bed. And so when they dig in to get this, that's why it floods up so high. Like the water oh, will come all the way to why. here. It's because this is a lake bed. And so when they dig in to put their footers in, they have to go doubly, like super, super deep so that they can hit bedrock because it's just silt underneath there. But because there's so many historic homes, like our walls, when they were just doing testing, our walls are crumbling in our basement from the vibrations. And so like there's going to be a lot of like repercussions to the houses and buildings around here, aside from the terrible traffic. The other thing that concerns me about all of this is like, okay, so it's an alternative transportation area. People are pedestrians, people are biking. Totally cool. Totally ableist.
And then basically we start nerding out about urban planning, gentrification, racism, you know, like what my book is about. There's a reason Zika and I get along. We finished up our interview talking about her new hair salon, but not in the ways that you might think. Is that the theme for this episode? We talk about the things and ways that you might not think. Surprise! But we ended up talking about her building, and then we make a little dig at the Super Bowl, and then my hair gets washed. To put in like e grasses so the basement was more like user friendly, or so that they could put more housing down there. I'm not sure. But then they just left it. There's no insulation to the base of their building. There's no coverage to the base of their building. It is just a fourplex with huge empty gutted holes in the front yard. And the construction company took all the money for them and for us and left. Why? Disgusted. That was just, they just couldn't finish the job or for whatever reason. And all the phones are disconnected. Everything is just, because we didn't give them, we, the insurance claim gave them enough money to fix our window, to provide the, the goods to fix our window and they were like oh we'll do it for less money than it would be for you guys to do it and uh for you folks to do it and so it was just like okay and then now here we are middle of winter like boarded plywood on top of duct tape in our huge very expensive structure making quite the impression on our neighborhood (laughs) it was great it's just not gonna look nice for the super bowl though I know, I just really want the Super Bowl strangers like, that are coming like, in. Like, clean up this window for the Super Bowl? Like, I just don't know. <laughs> like, my, like, all these millionaires are really hustling and bustling to get $40 haircuts at my neighborhood salon during the Super Bowl. Here, come on back and we'll wash you. And we're back. Hey, Wayne. Hey, Garth. That was great. Party on. Thank you. Party on. Yeah. Uh, Do you like my ambient noise? I did very Thank you. much. I'm, I'm j- I need to be honest with the audience. I still haven't heard it. <laughs> oh, my God, <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> no, because I feel like after I listen, I'm going to be like, oh, my God. And I'm going to want to say all the things. And I'm just being I'm just being dishonest. I haven't heard it yet. I haven't heard the interview yet. We're recording this. We've lied to them so many times about this. No. Once or twice. A couple times. I couldn't do it this time. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't listened yet. So I'm probably going to want to talk about it next episode very briefly. That's fair. Take some notes. um, So, but I'm sure it's great. And I can't. That's my fault, though. I mean, I could have shared the audio file with her, but I haven't edited down the ambient noise and I'm going to like be a perfectionist about it tomorrow. So. Don't worry, we're, audience. We are, I took care of it. We are breaking the fourth wall. You started it. I, it's true. It's true. That was completely on me. All right. Hey, but we want to finish up by doing some RWLs because we did not do that with Sika. We ran out of time. Uh, what are you reading, watching, and listening to, Rachel? I am reading, revisiting. I already read this book in grad school, but I was like, oh, duh. This is a book I need to revisit. It's called Pedagogies of Crossing by M. Jackie Alexander. And when I read it, I read it in Rose Brewer's class. Shout out Rose Brewer, an amazing socialist, Mm -hmm. amazing black, amazing professor, feminist professor. She assigned this book and I remember reading it and being like, I'm just not connecting with this because it's M. Jackie Alexander is basically trying to bring spirituality and things as specific as tarot and things like that, which I just didn't remember at all until I revisited it because I wasn't, you know, I mean, I was like, 
oh, this is kind of cool, but like I'm I was so like militant Marxist when I was in that class and I still am, you know, militantly Marxist, but I, it was just like not vibing. I was like, I'm not quite where this book wants me to be. And it just like came into my brain very recently and I was like, damn, I need to go back to that book because I think I'm going to have a real different read of it. And sure enough, I I have a very different read of it and it is like resonating like super hardcore. So I highly recommend it. It's a beautiful, beautiful, brilliant, interesting book. She also talks about a million other things that outside of outside of spirituality. Watching this afternoon, I saw I, Tanya, and holy fuck. I'm so I jealous. loved this movie so much. I, I think I would be more hesitant to say I loved it if it, if I didn't know that, you know, she was con- consulted about it and mm-hmm. part of it and part of the process and is now, you know, you know, benefiting from from the film. I think probably fina- I'm sure financially. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's not exploitative or at least it it avoids ex- exploit in in ways that it could have risked if I think they didn't have her involved. So that's a sort of side note. I just loved it so much. It's kind of hard for me to talk about because I loved it so much. I was like weeping at the end and it doesn't really end on a note where you would be like weeping, but I was just in my seat with my head in my hands and I was just so moved. I think largely because it is about like white trash, like she comes from a white working class family and I thankfully I don't relate to, I didn't have uh, an abusive mother, but and her mom, I, I mean, major trigger warning for like deep violence, like abusive mother daughter violence and um, domestic violence between her and her husband, like bad violence. And thankfully, I didn't, I personally didn't experience that, but it's just, I definitely might, you know, we had a neighbor that would come over because she was beat up every other day from her husband and her boyfriend, whoever it was. And, you know, so like I just witnessed like the working class violence that. Domestic violence happens in classes of all all kinds, but I just thought it was a really important depiction of what poverty can enable and drives people to. And again, that's not an excuse. It's not it's not saying rich people don't abuse. We know both, you know, neither of those things are what I'm saying, but I do think it was oh, just such such an intense portrayal of how poverty fucks people up and not just the abuse, but just everything that happened to her is like a story about how working class women, even when they get their shot, they're pushed down. And once they're pushed down again, it is like that much harder for them to get back up. And she barely got her shot. Like we see, you know, she, I'm not I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it. It is it is a movie about class in America more than anything. I think Alison Janney actually said that in her speech and it's fucking true. And it's it's intense. And I think people would criticize it because they do sometimes try to make some of the violent abuse moments humorous, which was un- very uncomfortable, but it is like a dark comedy, I guess. But it's, God, I just, I fucking loved it. So I could say more. That's that. Listening to uh, the same same things I've been listening to, my yoga, pl- same podcast I always talk about, and my, my yoga playlist. I wanted to make a note of that because a couple people have found my yoga playlists on Spotify. So if you're interested in that, just to plug my, I have, I've gained nothing from Spotify followers, but just if, in case you want to know, the, the, my yoga playlists are called C2 on Spotify. So that's what we call it at my yoga studio. So that's where you'll get like dreamy, dreamy yoga songs. And then Ooh. I have my, yep. And then I have my sculpt playlist, which are like things you'll want to like squat to and do push ups to and do jumping jacks to and stuff. So like hip hop and some punk. So 
Anyway, that was a long that was a long one for me. But uh, yeah, people go see Itania. I want to talk about it with everybody. So yes, I really want to see it myself. Do you think people remember who Tanya Harding is? Oh yeah, I mean our generation for sure. Okay. Like okay. I remember. Don't, don't yeah. you? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, it yeah. was. And I really, what I really like about it seems like how this film has framed Tanya Harding, and I would say the same thing about the show. The People versus O.J. Simpson mm-hmm. is framing Tanya Harding, and then my other analogy is Marsha Clark in a way that the media did not do in the yep. '90s, right? So it's like yep. this reclamation of like what actually was going on in Tanya's life, like she was totally because you know, the media totally. just trashed her. Completely. If you weren't around in the '90s, uh, the media trashed her. Yeah, and so it's really cool to see. I always love like redemption of you know, yep, narratives. Yeah, kind of film. So cool. Totally. And they. And but thanks they, for the trigger warning, though, too. I mean, that's important. Yeah, I felt this. Honestly, I'm going to say this real quick. Um, did you see Lady Bird? I, I can't. Maybe. I, I won't right now. Okay. Is it for reasons because of – because I, I have to give, like, equally trigger war- – I mean, maybe not totally equal, but also major trigger warning for emotional abuse Um, in that That's film. why I won't see it because yeah, it's stuff. It's rough. I mean, and no, but I feel like so few people talked about that. I saw one beautiful article written about it and I was like, thank you. Yes. But it is like bad. And, and most people are like, oh, it's just like a tense mother daughter relationship. And I'm like, no friend. That is like solid emotional abuse. And that is, yeah, it was, and I didn't honestly, and I think that movie is like not as good as everybody else thinks. So anyway, but yeah, of course, huge trigger warning for for both of those films. Absolutely. But what about you? What have you been reading, watching and listening to? I read this article in Mother Jones called A Brief Blood Boiling History of the Opioid Epidemic. And I learned in the article, which I wasn't surprised by, that the pharmaceutical companies lobbied the medical industry really hard to get patient pain levels to be an utmost important thing to control. And then they said, oh, well, also here, by the way, is some Oxycontin for you to manage pain. And so it was just kind of a devastating read into like how our country got addicted to opioids. And it was because of pharmaceutical companies. And our country consumes 99% of all opioids. And Jesus Christ. On a on a side note about this, Prince died from a overdose of fentanyl, which was linked to his opioid addiction that was kept under wraps. But like fentanyl was given to like my little buddy who was five for a surgery. Oh, wow. Like they don't uh, yeah. despite all of this, this shit still is getting prescribed. So it just really yep. drives me nuts. Anyway, so that's a really um uplifting article you could read. But I right. like it was good. It's like one of those things where you should be aware of and it was good information. Yeah. And uh, of course, Mother Jones is a highly biased publication, but they do very important work. And so, yeah, such as that. I mean, you can't ugh, bias. I just, you know, I have thoughts, feelings about biased news sources and what people decide are credible sources. Right. Moving on, I've been watching, like my reruns of Johnny Carson, I've been watching old vintage Saturday Night Live episodes, which I guess is therapeutic because by vintage, I mean from when Obama was in office. Got it. And okay. they had like one black guy to like do the impersonation of right, him. Right, but, right, But like it was like, oh, I remember those times. And not that Obama was amazing. I'm just saying it was a better time for our president in office. It, or, it was. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I mean. With all the yeah. caveats of blah, blah. You know, you know uh, what I mean. Right. All the caveats. Yes. That said, it was a different and less 
horrible time. Yeah. In like, oh. in in like the in like the general social consciousness. Also like a ba- like on a basic level, like the president respected people and like talked. Well, <laughs> not I mean, yes, he also deported and bombed them, but Well, that was the okay, yes. Rachel, that was the caveat. <laughs> okay. Minus the caveats, minus the minus the killjoy footnotes. He was a little bit more Great. respectful. He was absolutely. Words. He was. He was a. Re, he was. Yes. His demeanor. His communication was respectful. Yes, that's for sure. Yes, I'm in no way am I saying that Donald Trump and Barack Obama are unequal. Like are equals at all? Of course, it's a shit show. So it must have felt a little refreshing to see SNL. It was. It just felt have, like oh yeah yeah. I remember that. So come back, Barack. <laughs> Even though you know, uh. did you hear that song? You I did. did. Yes, the chance yes, of, of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> last but not least, I've been listening to the song. Have you heard this artist, Rag and Bone? He's like so. this white tattooed guy from the South. I should not call him white because he could be mixed. For all I know, that was really stupid of me. I'll leave my error in. Yeah, they play the song on the current all the time. Our radio station here that plays decent music, and mm-hmm. he's got this like deep Southern soul voice and hmm. i don't know i just really like the song so cool you, i'll check it out i don't know if i love all his other stuff but it's just one of those singles that i was like all right yeah. here i am check it out on spotify i have that I will. <laughs> oh that's right <laughs> i forgot you joined us in the 2000s yeah. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> real quick just for people who are still hanging on here there's a pdf app where you can take pictures of text and it turns it into a pdf for you really Do- Yes. <laughs> you win. You knew something about tech before me. I learned that what? I learned that this weekend cuz I That's for, neat. I needed to scan something for my students. I wasn't at my school and I was like, "Oh my god, what am I going to do? I don't want to go to Kinkos." And then my friends were like, "No, no, 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 no. Just download Genius Scan app." And it does. You take a picture of a textbook chapter or any kind of book and it turns it into like very stark black and white PDF. That is rad as fuck. Yeah. I'm like, are you sure you don't want $25? Right, because I would pay you. Take that, my money. That is payable. Yeah. I can't yeah, believe I just sure. got to do that for free. Um, yeah. That's rad. That's And rad. like within five minutes. Wow. The future is here. We're here. Here we are. Our Holy president crap. sucks, but yes. we have a PDF we scan PDF app. Scan, right? Oh. Gosh, late capitalism, my friends. All right. Good talk. I can't wait to actually listen to the interview. And WTF. Power. Maybe I'm blind Thinking I can see through this And see what's behind Got no way to prove it So maybe I'm lying But I'm only human after all I'm only human after all Don't put your blame on me Don't put your blame on me Take a look in the mirror And what do you see? Do you see it clearer? Are you to see in what you believe? Cause I'm only human after all. 
You're only human After all, don't put the blame on me Don't put your blame on me your blame on me. I just took a DNA test. Turns out I'm 100%. You could have had a bad bitch, non-committal. Help you with your career, just a little. You're supposed to hold me down, but you are holding me back. And then, and then the course goes, wild and great till they gotta be. Don't text me, tell it straight to my face. Best friend set me down in the salon. Shampoo and press get you out of my head. And then there's a part where like, new man on the Minnesota Vikings, but I thought that she was saying no men are on the Minnesota Vikings. And I was like, you're the best. You hate the NFL too. Or like have Yeah. But no, she has a new man on the Minnesota Vikings. It is super catchy. Once you hear it, you're going to be like, why didn't I listen to this earlier? But at the same time, I didn't listen to it right away, and Rachel, my podcast host, hosts that it's on the first year. I'm a little salty about that, so maybe. 